We're going to jump straight into our continued series, moving through the Ten Commandments with a question. How many of the 50 states do you think you could list if you were given five minutes to do so? This is the sort of challenge I do pretty well with. I, I sat down and I tried to do this. I made a list of the states I could remember, which took me three minutes and 45 seconds. I was feeling pretty good about it. Uh, when I counted to see how many states I remembered, the number was 51, 51 states I remembered. Uh, it took me another 15 seconds or so to recognize that I actually listed Pennsylvania twice, once as Penn, and the other time as PA. What about the Ten Commandments? How many of the Ten Commandments could you have listed in five minutes prior to our present sermon series? Some of you would have been able to do them all. I think the average probably would have been uh, seven or, or eight, somewhere in that range. One thing I realized as I prepared this week's sermon is that I would probably have remembered, I think definitely would have remembered, the commandment that we are looking at this week incorrectly. The way I remember being taught the commandment we are going to look at today as a child is not actually what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. You can turn with me there now, as though, although as has been the case, this is a very brief verse. We're going to be, we are going to be looking at Exodus 20, verse 16. Hear the word of the Lord. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. My recollection of this commandment is that it says, you shall not lie. That's close to what Scripture commands, but not the exact same thing. Bearing false witness is a more specific type of deception that we are going to look at today. We will see why we are told not to bear false witness. We are also going to take some time to focus on what we should be doing instead. We are not called to bear false witness. We are called to testify to the truth. Words are powerful. Like anything which is powerful, words can be used to accomplish great good or great evil. There are historical examples of both. On June 4th, 1940, Winston Churchill, considered to be one of the greatest orators of all time, gave a speech before the House of Commons just after the British Expeditionary Force was evacuated from the beaches of Dunkirk through a heroic effort. He spoke of the deliverance that had been accomplished but also the challenges that lay ahead. We're going to try to listen to part of that speech now. So if the guys upstairs can go ahead and get that queued up. Sir, I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing is neglected, and if the best arrangements are made, as they are being made, we shall prove ourselves once more able to defend our island home 
to ride out the storm of war and to outlive the menace of tyranny if necessary for years if necessary alone at any rate that is what we are going to try to do that is the resolve of his majesty's government every man of them that is the will of parliament and the nation the british empire and the french republic linked together in their cause and in their need will defend to the death their native soil aiding each other like good comrades to the utmost of their strength we shall go on to the end we shall fight in france we shall fight on the seas and oceans we shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air we shall defend our island whatever the cost may be we shall fight on the beaches we shall fight on the landing grounds we shall fight in the fields and in the streets we shall fight in the hills we shall never surrender and if which i do not for a moment believe this island or a large part of it was subjugated and starving then our empire beyond the seas armed and guarded by the british fleet would carry on the struggle until in god's good time the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old all right so uh, some of you are thinking man i didn't know winston churchill was so hard to understand but the truth is is that british people at the time in the midst of world war ii were inspired by speeches that churchill gave throughout the war to resist the nazis great good can come through work Heroism can be encouraged. Truth can be defended and forgiveness can be communicated. Churchill exemplified the power to do good in the wartime speeches he gave. Great evil can also be brought forth through words. Another famous order on the other side of the English Channel named Adolf Hitler also gave speeches during World War II. We're going to listen to one of those speeches now. So if the guys can go ahead and play that video. Panier des deutschen Volkes, der kostbarste Besitz auf dieser Welt aber, ist das eigene Volk. Und für dieses Volk und um dieses Volk wollen wir reden und wollen wir kämpfen und niemals erlahmen und niemals ermüden und niemals verzagen und niemals all right. None of us will ever have crowds of thousands or millions of people hanging on every word we say like Churchill and Hitler did. That in no way means our words lack power to bring about good or evil. 
The power of words doesn't just play out on a global scale. This power plays out in individual lives. Words can be a source of life. Jesus makes clear in John 6, 63, that the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Each of us can share the words of life that Jesus has spoken. Redemption is possible through the words we vocalize. Words can also bring about death. Scripture warns us about the havoc our words can bring about. In chapter 3 of James, it is written, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. A verbal blitzkrieg pouring out of our mouths will leave destruction in its wake. The Bible teaches what we know from history. Words have great power to bring about good and bad. We should be mindful of this power and careful how we use it. The power of words to build up or demolish communities is significant. The commandment we are focused on today says, don't bear false witness. If false witnessing happened in Israel, then justice was not going to happen. Falsehoods breed distrust. They rip communities apart. The same thing is true today. Any community of people, whether it is a local town or the whole nation, where speaking falsehoods is not taken seriously will not be sustainable. This is true for the United States as a whole. It is true in our families. It is true in Byfield Parish Church. Two forms of bearing false witness the Bible repeatedly condemns are gossip and slander. Both are incredibly destructive. Gossip may or may not include true information. Often, Gossip is a mix of truth, falsehoods, and conjectures. Defining gossip is a bit tricky, although we all know gossip when we hear it. Gossip is when a person shares details that ought not to be shared in a secretive way. Wikipedia has a good definition of gossip. It is idle talk or rumor especially about the personal or private affairs of others. Sometimes what is shared is inappropriate because it is not the business of the person doing the sharing or listening. People gossip out of boredom. There's an excitement that comes with learning information about another person. Gossip, I think it's more of a style of communication than it is about specific content. One of the problems with gossip is that it inherently lends itself 
to falsehood. Everybody, as a kid, probably played the game of telephone where you get in a circle and somebody says something and they whisper it to the next person and the next person. And, and by the time it's gone around the circle, it's not the same information that it was when it started. It's morphed and changed. Gossip may seem like a fun distraction in the midst of boredom. The results are not so fun. I like how the book of Proverbs talks about gossip. Multiple times it calls the person who gossips a whisperer. We all know a person who tries to whisper sensitive information about others in hushed tones. Proverbs 16, 28 says, The dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. In 18.8, it describes the appeal of gossip all too well. It says, The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Gossiping is a form of bearing false witness, even if what is being relayed might be true. Let's, let's flesh that out a bit. If someone whispered to you that a friend of a friend saw me driving down towards Boston with an attractive woman that was not my wife in a whispered tone, what would you tend to think? You would think that I might be up to something. Your interests would be piqued. What if another person told you they had seen me dropping my sister off at the airport the same day? What would you think? You would think that is boring information that is not relevant to my life. Both people reported on the same true event. The difference is how it was communicated and the level of detail. Gossip is a falsehood-multiplying machine. It destroys both individual lives and communities. It does so for the idle entertainment of the person doing the gossip. Proverbs 26.20 tells us, For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Let me offer a bit of pastoral counsel to any tempted to gossip, which is really all of us, if we're being honest. Get a life. Your attempts to alleviate boredom by spreading half-informed secrets is incredibly destructive. That may sound harsh, but it actually lines up with Paul's advice for young widows in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Slander is different from gossip in that what is gossiped about may be true, whereas slander is false. Much of what we refer to as gossip is actually slander. Most people that have the reputation for gossip are also slanders. It is still useful to note the difference between slander and gossip. Slander is more malicious than gossip. 
Often the person that, that slanders isn't just trying to alleviate their boredom. They have an agenda. When one criminal testifies against another, the possibility of slander is always a concern. The person testifying may have plenty of motivation for speaking falsehoods to save their own skin. It would be nice to think that slander only happens among people trying to avoid a prison sentence. This is not the case. We have probably all had the experience in a job where another employee blamed us for their mistake. Slander can and does happen in any setting of life. The Bible tells us God takes slander very seriously. Paul's letters repeatedly warn about it. Peter does the same. Jesus was put on the cross due to slanderous testimony. Slander is a means of intentionally murdering another person's character. Any person who repeats falsehoods about another person should, be, should not be trusted. There is no excuse for slander. Let me add a point of practical application to this biblical explanation of slander. If we repeat information about another person that turns out not to be true, we have slandered them whether that was our intent or not. We are responsible for the truth of the words that come out of our mouths. I think there's, there's many forms of slander in our world today, but there's one form that is particularly common. It is common to hear people describe the motivation of others as if they know what it is. Rarely is this actually the case. The motivations ascribed to others paint their actions in the worst possible light. Describing someone's motivations wrongly is slander just as much as wrongly accusing them of a crime would be. Bearing false witness is a serious sin. It is a sin we should make every effort to avoid, to avoid bearing false witness, we should do what the Bible tells us to do. Returning to the book of James, we are told, know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Listening is a skill that's not well developed in most people. You have to practice listening to get better at it. Putting in the practice is contingent on the belief a benefit will result. Know-it-alls don't listen. People have a tendency to only listen to that which confirms what they already believe. We should be slow to speak. The truth of a given situation is often complex. Those who are in a rush to share what they think they know often have incorrect information or an incomplete understanding of the situation. K. 
Communicating emotionally in anger is not a good idea. We talked back in the fall about how emotions are not all bad. That being said, when our emotions are driving our tongue, the outcomes are normally bad. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32 adds more helpful guidance. In those verses we are told, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. What we say should be good for building up. Gossip and slander don't build up. They tear down as we have already established. This requires discernment. When we talk, it should fit the occasion. This is a challenge. I'm amazed by how often I hear people share information that's just not appropriate for the situation. Knowing the truth is great. Sharing it at the right time and circumstance is an additional challenge. We are called by God to have the maturity to speak the truth in love for the benefit of others. Speaking the truth requires courage. The, the Bible is not telling us to be like Thumper, the rabbit from Bambi. You guys remember Thumper? His mom told him, if you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. The Bible doesn't tell us to say only nice things that will be well-received. The truth is often hard to speak. Just because we speak the truth in love doesn't mean the people we speak to will want to hear it. They might reject it. That will definitely happen sometimes. We often don't speak the truth because we love other things above the person that needs to hear the truth. The truth isn't convenient. I think we often gossip because we have a problem with someone that we lack the courage to speak to them about face to face. We slander because something bothers us, but we don't actually want to talk about the real issue, so we tear down the person. The truth isn't a weapon to be used to accomplish selfish purposes. We should use the truth to build up others. This is a significant part of our calling as Christians. This is a hard, hard thing to do. The ultimate truth we are called to bear true witness about as Christians is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word of God we all need. The person of Jesus, the message he spoke, is the remedy to every outright lie, half-truth, and sin. We have been sent into this world to bear true testimony about who Jesus is. It is ridiculous for the truth of Christ to proceed from the same mouth that gives false testimony. Again, we return to James in chapter 3. It is written, 
from the same mouth came blessing and cursing? My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What comes out of our mouths reveals the status of our hearts. What you say has great power. God has given us the responsibility to use that power well to testify to the truth of Jesus Christ. If we bear false witness in any way, it undermines everything we say. Our calling, and this is an extraordinary calling, in this time and place in which we live, is to speak the truth to others in love, with clarity and purpose. And doing so, doing so requires great courage. But it is by doing so that our world, that our families, that our institutions, that our churches will be healthy and that we'll be able to produce the good fruit that God calls us to. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do live in a world filled with outright lies, half-truths, gossip, and slander. And it's not easy for us to know when and and how to speak and, and what truth to deploy in different situations, Lord. I pray that you would be at work in our hearts and minds to give us the maturity to know how to speak, that we would be quick to listen, that we would be slow to speak, Lord. That our words would be salt and light, that we'd be able to testify to the goodness, mercy, grace, and truth that exists in this world through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.